With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Uh, that was our very own Jared Waitley from SoFi Stadium in LA today as the LA Rams became the second team in as many years to win a Super Bowl at home. They haven't had one since 1999 when they were the St. Louis Rams with Kurt Warner under centre as the QB. They went chips in, they went all in, they put together a team stacked full of stars and... Well, they were made to earn it by a gritty Bengal side uh, that put on a phenomenal Super Bowl, absolutely worthy of the occasion. Uh, one man who's been right across it and always is one of the hosts of Sports Centre on ESPN. He used to be the host of the Morning Drive on ESPN Radio. Zubin Mahenti has been good enough to stay up and give us some time. Zubin, hello to you. Hey, what a day. What a game. Uh, it certainly is. I'm going to start by just saying, I know that when you would have looked at uh, the, the host name who you're speaking to and it said Sam Hargraves there, that you would have thought, now, please don't tell me he's related to Vernon Hargraves who rushed the field, uh, not suited up for the Bengals and cost them a penalty after the interception. We're not, I don't think we're related. It's all good. That's all good. I, uh, I think in any way, shape or form, the Bengals exceeded expectations. So anything with the Bengals, even in a loss, it's kind of a win for them. <laughs> well, it, it, absolutely. I mean, what a game it was. And, and they led for such a long time, too, after um, the Rams had the better of it in the early going. How, did you, how do you sum up that game uh, after you've had time to let it sink in? What, what is it to you? How do you best describe what you've just witnessed? I think at the end of the day, it was the idea that in football you can win in more than one way. I think... That's my biggest takeaway. I think you, you mentioned it. You said the word all in. I think if you're looking at a newspaper headline of this or whatever the internet headline, it'll be about somebody stopping Joe Burrow or Joe's just getting started or Matthew Stafford finally got it done. Is this going to put him in the hall? See what happens when you're not on the Lions. McVay being 36. There's so many great stories. But to me, the real eye-opener for the other 31 teams who would have loved to be in the position the Rams are in is that you can go all in and win. As you guys know, the regular way of trying to win in the NFL is to draft and develop because you can keep your players, you can keep them at a much cheaper rate, and then when you have a great amount of success and you have to start to pay players, then the team starts to break apart, but you hope in those first four to five years If you can get the nucleus of your team at a reasonable cost and they're young, you can win. And the Rams did the exact opposite. While most teams covet draft picks and want to build that way, they just said, we're going to go get the best quarterback available no matter what the cost. We're going to go get the best cornerback available no matter the cost. We're going to go get a former Super Bowl MVP in Von Miller no matter the cost. And if that means they don't have draft picks, or they're all in, it's win or nothing, they did it. You know, the Rams are the type of team 
this is very strange. The Bengals exceeded expectations before they even took the field. They had six wins the last two years. They won four games. They hadn't won a playoff game in 31 years. They hadn't won the division in six years. I mean, there's a million stories about them. But for the Rams, what's interesting is that they could only meet expectations. It sounds crazy, but the Rams could not exceed expectations in this game. The expectation was to win the Super Bowl. So all they could do is meet the expectations, not beat the expectations, which is pretty rare. But they showed you can win in the NFL by going, like you said, all in. It's something most teams won't try because the consequences are too great for failure. But you got to give them credit. They went counterculture, and it worked. And we shouldn't be surprised either because it's essentially, and maybe not to the same extent, but Tampa Bay did it last year as well. I mean, they got went and got Brady and then they had some of the pieces. They went and got other pieces for him. And, and so this is a couple of years in a row now where teams have been created to achieve the ultimate success. I think that's fair. I think the one distinction I would give, other than the fact that, you, you know, you mentioned that both teams won the Super Bowl and they're home stadium, it's pretty amazing to think we've had 56 Super Bowls, and for the first 54, the first 54, there were no home teams uh, that played in their home stadium, and now it's actually been two in two. Technically, I guess the Rams were, by some strange measure, they were actually the opposing team, technically, even though it was their own stadium. But I think the, the only distinction I would make, and I think you make a good point, is that I think Brady was proven. You know, he had already won mm. six Super Bowls and played in nine of them before he got to that game last year, whereas his counterpart in this game, the winning quarterback, as you know, Matt Stafford, played in Detroit for 12 years, won zero playoff games, and only played in three. In fact, this is one of the great stats we talk about here in the States. The Dallas Cowboys have won three playoff games in the last 25 years. Matthew Stafford has basically won uh, three, and now he's won four this postseason. So Matthew Stafford has won more postseason games in this postseason than the Cowboys have in a quarter century. That's pretty amazing considering he had a zero heading in. So I like your analogy. The only thing I would say is that almost everyone expected Brady to elevate them. But for Stafford, because he played on a, such a lowly Detroit franchise, the jury was really out on whether he would be able to elevate them to these heights. And I think by doing so, he has completely changed the trajectory of the way people will talk about him from here on out. Uh, that's why we get the experts on. Uh, Zubin Mahenti is with us from SportsCenter uh, on ESPN. Um, the game itself, Zubin, it, it, it seemed like everything was just clicking for the Rams in the probably the first quarter and a half. Um, and then OBJ, who gets the first touchdown in the Super Bowl. I mean, what a story that is in and itself. He, he reaches, you know, international stardom, um, celebrity levels with the New York Giants. He goes to Cleveland to try and win a Super Bowl. It's just never the right fit. It didn't work really from day one. He, he leaves and goes to the Rams, another piece of, of the puzzle that they've put together. And he was looking like he was going to absolutely tear the game apart because we always knew that they would double-team Cooper Cup, who got the Triple Crown this year. That was a major turning point. From that moment on, with no Tyler Higby either at the tight end for, for the Rams, they struggled to, to, to get cohesion offensively. And that's when Joe Burrow kicked into gear. How pivotal did you see that moment in the game? Oh, yeah, I think that was really pivotal. What's interesting for Beckham going forward is, you know, as you mentioned, started with the Giants, had a great run, then it got a little caught up, and then obviously with the Rams. But between that, he was actually with the Browns, as you know, he was traded from the Browns to the Rams. And yep. he actually, he left there, and people said, you know what, didn't work in New York, and then it didn't work in Cleveland. And you know how it is. If it doesn't work out one place, maybe it's the other guy. 
But when it doesn't work out two places, people are like, let's see, uh, you were in both places. Maybe you're the problem. And I think he walked into this game with a lot of baggage, didn't work in New York, didn't work in Cleveland. Um, And I think this game, even though he obviously got injured, now that he's a Super Bowl champion and to the point you made that he was playing so well before he got injured, I actually think you could easily now say the Giants were dysfunctional. Maybe Baker Mayfield was the problem in Cleveland. And this guy just needed to be in the right spot. The other thing with him is he just grew up, right? Mm. When you're in New York, you're that age, you're young, you're in the bright lights. You just have to sort of adjust to it. It takes a little time. I think Burrow definitely did step up. But the irony of Beckham getting hurt, in addition to Burrow making a couple good throws, refs missed a huge face mask on Jalen Ramsey, um, is that they have to be even more reliant on cups. So like you say, no Tyler, no OBJ. And you would think, all right, how in the world could they win without getting the ball to Cooper Cup? And as you saw in the final touchdown, they just kept going back to Cup every single time. And by OBJ actually leaving the game, I think Stafford actually felt like, listen, I've been going to Cup all season. Now I don't have any choice. You mentioned the Triple Crown. If you guys look at the stats, Sam, he wasn't even – there was nobody close to him in any of the three categories. And he was a third-round pick, as you know, out of Eastern Washington – with zero scholarship offers, yeah. so a uh, college scholarship offer. So if there's anybody in your audience that's kind of down on themselves and, you know, kind of like, you know, thinking to themselves, they're, you know, they're not in a great spot. It's just everything is subjective, and it was just one person's opinion. I mean, Cooper Cup had a million reasons to not be playing in this game, to not even be in the NFL. His father and his grandfather both played in the NFL, marginal players, didn't really make an impact. There was no reason to think he was going to become – one of the greatest performers in modern NFL history, which sounds crazy to say because it's just one year, but the year has been so good. People like Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, greats, greats of the game don't have numbers like this. And up until this Super Bowl, people would generally say he was, you know, having the ball thrown to him by Jared Goff and Matt Stafford, and people didn't think too highly of him going in. So uh, I think you're right, Burrow played well, but I think the over-reliance on Cooper Cup was simply amazing. And that's why he was a Super Bowl MVP. He is a, a magnificent story. He is a story that every high school coach, every college coach, in fact, every coach should be telling the story of Cooper Cup to any player that they've got that might be just struggling in a particular moment of in, in, a, in a particular time in their life. I mean, he is one of those that you, you tell as many people as possible. You know, you don't tell the story who it is. You tell his story and then you say, and do you want to know who that guy is? That guy's name is Cooper Cup, because you're right. That is a phenomenal journey um, that he's been on. Um, Zubin, with with this game, I I, I started to get a little nervous for the Rams in that third quarter when Joe Burrow started to find his rhythm. The defence was having a little trouble getting to him. The Bengals' defence were just doing – were playing out of their skins in stopping the run of the Rams – and then they tried the trick play, and I thought, oh, this is this is Brady v. the Eagles all over again when Cup overthrew Stafford. Did you think for a little while that the Rams were letting it slip? And if you did, how incredible then was that last drive where Stafford just – he'd already had been picked twice and then still took risk after risk. He kept finding Cup. Yes, they had some calls go their way, but, hey, they had some go against them earlier on. Um, did you feel like they were letting it slip? And if you did, how incredible then was that final drive for you? Yeah, I mean, I think this goes back to a larger point, and I'm sure your listeners are aware. You know, 
the last seven games of the NFL playoffs this year have just been incredible. Yeah. And this last one capped it, right? The divisional round was amazing. Every game went down to the wire. Conference championship game, both games were instant classics. And uh, this game, it's the biggest game on the calendar, was great. So I just think it was just a very apropos and fitting way for the season to end. One thing I really think that speaks well of both quarterbacks is the last drive. That was a 15-play drive, and it was hampered by a lot of flags. And once the Rams had first and goal at the one, you just felt like, well, they're going to score here. But what was equally great was when the Bengals got the ball back with about a minute 25 to go, and they only needed a field goal. I mean, how big did that missed extra point loom large, right? So you're thinking to yourself, the Bengals can go and tie this game, and they've got a guy who's in his second year in the league, and if anybody would have driven them down, the Bengals' field goal kicker had actually been perfect throughout the postseason. And the last drive actually spoke well of both guys because the Rams got it done. That's what people were waiting for Stafford to do, 15 plays. Everybody in the stadium knew they were going to cup. They still got it there. And everybody knew that there's no chance this game is over. Joe Burrow's got the ball, and he can come back the other way. So while the drive will always be remembered for the uh, Stafford to come up, 15th play the drive to score to essentially win the Super Bowl, I think it speaks so well of Joe Burrow to say, let's see, this guy's in his second year in the NFL. They're down in the Super Bowl by three points. They got a buck 25. Seems like a pretty risky situation, mm. but I don't think there were a lot of fans saying that Joe Burrow can't do this. You yeah. know, he's got enough time. They have the timeouts. They have a great field goal kicker. All they need is three points. So that drive, what happened during it, and the ensuing drive, you know, it was uh, unfortunate what happened if you're a Bengals fan, but it just really spoke well of how guys are just answering each other one at a time. I think most people felt like at the end of the day, the Bengals' offensive line was probably their biggest weakness. Um, they were playing some patchwork. And uh, the Rams, uh, Aaron Donald, who's probably the best NFL defensive player of his generation, fittingly made the stop on fourth and one. So uh, it was all about offense. It's all about Stafford and Cooper Cup. But the biggest play of the game was made on defense. Uh, absolutely. So I'm going to ask you just two more questions because it's been a big day on know Zuba Mahenti, ESPN Sports Center host. I'm going to let you tell me what you think is the greatest story to come out of the day. And I'm going to throw the nominees. So is it Sean McVay, 36 years old, youngest ever Super Bowl coach, having lost a few years ago when he was given a lesson by the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick? Is it OBJ or is it Von Miller, who was still thinking of his dearly departed friend during that game? Is it Andrew Whitworth, 16 years in the league, finally getting a Super Bowl? Van Jefferson leaving straight after because his wife went into labour at halftime. Is it Aaron Donald sealing the win with that and creating and getting that final legacy piece. You tell me, what's the greatest story out of the day? I would lean toward Darren Donald if he retires. There's a lot of discussion that he actually might retire, which really was shocking. Uh, during the Super Bowl pregame, uh, one of the sideline reporters, Michelle Tafoya, just sort of casually mentioned it. And obviously, it really wasn't given a lot of steam until they won the game, and then he made the play to win it. And he had always said that I've done everything except win it. And what is that saying? Is that saying if I win it, I'm done, which is amazing because he's still really in the prime of his career. So if there's a definitive word on his retirement, maybe I would have chosen it. But I got to go McVay. I have to go McVay. He's 36. It's basically his fifth year in the league. He's still, after a half a decade of coaching, he's still the youngest coach in the <laughs> NFL at this moment, which is really amazing. He learned from his mistakes. He's one of the very few people that's been super successful in life. 
that basically you referenced it. He said, you know what? I failed in the Super Bowl. I was facing the greatest coach of all time, and I didn't get it done. And most guys would have said, you know what? I'm just in my early 30s. I got to learn. He just took all the responsibility and said, nope, I'm the coach. It's on me. And I think what this is really going to do, and I don't know how it goes for sports where you guys are, the sports that you covet, oftentimes in America, you know, jobs are just filled by retreads and guys that are just safe, conservative hired because you don't want to go out on the limb because if you go out on the limb and he or she doesn't succeed, then the GM is on the hook as well. So to hire Sean McVay at 30 is something a lot of teams just simply wouldn't do because are we going to entrust our billion-dollar entity to a millennial, essentially? <laughs> and the Rams <laughs> did it. It worked off in spades. I mean, two Super Bowl appearances. They've only missed the playoffs once. He's been as consistent as anybody. And I think this is going to allow a lot of other teams to say, instead of hiring the coach that failed two times for a third time, why don't we just give a young guy a shot for the first time? And he's really proven what is really interesting in any form of business, whether it's sports or entertainment or music or real estate or whatever. It's all about connecting with your players. I don't think there's any doubt that his age allows him to connect to the locker room much greater than somebody that maybe is more experienced than him, maybe the 56 or 60, but just can't relate to any of the guys on the roster because of life experience or when they grew up or what music they listened to. I think a lot of people look at 36 and think they're a prodigy, and he is. But I think there's also a lot of looking at 36 and saying, look at how close he is in age to the actual players. The players all bought in. The Rams had very little controversy over the last five years, right? The most controversial thing they did was ship off Jared Goff to get Matthew Stafford, and that's a move everyone agreed with because they knew they had to get better. But you don't see a lot of disgruntled people on the range. Think about all the big names, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, Donald. You don't hear guy, Odell Beckham. You don't hear people speaking out of school, which is very rare for a team that's got a huge bunch of stars. Egos, all that stuff gets in the way. And McVay's ability to relate to his players, the X's and the O's are one thing, and the strategy is one thing. But his ability to get them on the same page and respect him at 36 says a whole lot. And maybe a lot of other teams are going to say, you know what, maybe we should look at different criteria when it comes to hiring a head coach. Uh, brilliantly done. Uh, we've got to wrap it up. But uh, Zubin Mahenti from uh, Sports and ESPN, a lot of debate. I didn't think that anything was ever going to beat 2007 when Prince sung Purple Rain in the rain in Miami. But that halftime show, <laughs> that that is that's that that's the best ever, surely. I'll quickly say that uh, we live in probably the most polarized country on earth, uh, the United States of America. But if you went on Twitter tonight, it was universal acclaim. And I think it was cool for the pop culture people in your audience. Uh, Dr. Dre headlined it with everybody else that you saw up there. But his emergence probably 29, 30 years ago actually paved the way for everybody else that was on the stage yep. and some of the biggest stars in music today. So I thought that was very fitting. Uh, that that was the case. And here in America, it went over really, really well. And so has been chatting to you, Zuba Mahenti, ESPN Sports Centre. Thanks so much for making time. Massive day, the biggest sporting event uh, on the calendar. We really appreciate you wrapping it all up for us. Thanks so much. Oh, great to be with you. Thank you. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.